0: Hey yo! Welcome into the CHGO White Sox post game show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to two thousand dollars. Welcome into the winners lounge. That's a White Sox winner. Four to one. The boys close it out the right way after last night's embarrassing. Loss. Great to see the White Sox bounce back. They improve to 15 and 14 on the season. The Guardians fall to 15 and 15. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox post game show. I am Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. The man over there in the actual studio. I guess he's that way. That way, yeah. That way. Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. How you doing, Herb? How's the White Sox win treating you?
1: Oh, it feels so much better than a loss. This is <laughs> yes. great. Did you know, Sean, this is the White Sox first win over the Guardians ever?
0: Ever. Ever. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I want to talk to you real quick because we had the whole, you know, Guardians jar with the whole, you know, name change. I love, I don't know if I love it. I do just... Really, a pre- I don't even know if I appreciate it. Steve Stone's inability to actually call them the Guardians is one of my most watched storylines of the past games. Just because he is very, you know, if he calls them the 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 other team, uh, the the old team that he's he grew up, uh, you, you know, knowing uh, their dead name. Uh, <laughs> He, he immediately says, well, that's what they were called. And it's like, well, Steve, you know, they are called the Guardians now. If you look up uh, Lucas Giolito on baseball reference, it says his stat line versus the Cleveland Guardians, not the Cleveland, you know, other team. So I, I have one gripe with that. I don't know how that, that treats you when you, when you mean, still hear that name. I mean,
1: he been living 70-plus years with that team, <laughs> like, yeah. being called in the Indians, you know, grew up in the area, rooted for him as a child. So I can feel it. I don't think he has any, like, uh, you know, hard and fast – uh close like he doesn't grip onto the Indians name and doesn't want to change like uh, Chicagoans don't want to call Sears Tower Willis Tower type of thing but you know he's an older man I give him uh, a little break but do you see who's back our guy Eli is back oh my god he is
0: feels good to win says Eli Stein who's over in Israel uh, you know it's probably 7 a.m. over there uh, he's going to bed at 9 p.m. waking up at 3 a.m. Uh, to watch the CHGO White Sox pregame show I wonder what Eli's going to do tomorrow for a uh, 1230 pregame show for the White Sox and Guardians as they take on out uh, 110 and again I'm not mad at Stoney uh, for using it it's just like I, his, his staunchness to be like well that's what they used to be called and it's like you yeah we see know who Stoney. else is with us today join us again And our guy Rick Giolito, which his son
1: absolutely shoved. I mean, as I always say, I don't worry when Dylan Cease goes to the bump. And I don't worry when Lucas Giolito goes to the bump. Thank you, Rick, for joining us. You raised a great son just off the field. And he happens to be a champion on the field, too.
0: Well, it sounds like a perfect time to just start off. Let's go into Lucas Giolito's start and what he did against the Cleveland Guardians because we talked about it today. Going into today, 63 innings pitched against the Guardians, 14 earned runs allowed. He does allow an earned run tonight. That goes to 70 innings pitched tonight for Lucas Giolito uh, and 15 earned runs allowed against Cleveland. He has been dominant versus the Cleveland baseball team. Tonight, he goes seven innings pitched, one earned run allowed. Six hits allowed, one walk surrendered, and five Ks. The K number was down, but overall, outside of the Josh Naylor home run, Lucas Giolito was fantastic. I mean, think about it. I talked the other day about
1: Michael Kopek understanding how to use his pitches. The economy. Don't need to strike everybody out. And we see this from Lucas Giolito. Can he strike 10 Guardians out? Yeah. But a shorter outing would be had right there. He understands... Quick outs, let's get the them to hit the ball into the ground, do what I want them to do so I can go seven innings. He struggled a little bit in that seventh inning and then found it. Like, he couldn't find his release point on some of the balls, and they were hitting him a little bit, you know, not hard contact or anything like that. But then Ethan Katz came out, told him, probably told him, say, hey, man, these are your last pitches here. Let's do it. And you see he sat his home dude down for his fifth strike out of the game. Seven strong innings enjoy your solo home run Josh Naylor I think that's all that Lucas gives up solo home runs he is a champion when you need a guy you need the ball to be given to a guy on the White Sox it's gonna be a great a great problem to have but you know the guy I'm choosing two seven is the guy I'm picking
0: Hey, I mean, we've been getting a lot of uh, praise out recently, which is a good thing. Dylan Cease has been phenomenal. Kopech was phenomenal last night. And Lucas Giolito, you finally get to see what he is at 100%. It really felt like he was 100% Lucas Giolito tonight, fully over the uh, the injury that kept him out. And even then, when he came back from that injury, he was really good in his first start against the Twins. He was good against the Cubs in that start. But like you mentioned, he gave up home runs to Horner in that game. I think he gave up a home run to Wisdom as well. Yeah. Uh, and then that, that Angels game, he gave up two home runs. Home run. So, I mean, it, it wasn't perfect, uh, you know, coming off the IL, but tonight was as close as perfect as you can get from Lucas Giolito, even including the Josh Naylor home run. 69. before we keep on going, yeah, Rick go says
1: Lucas had a different plan because those Cleveland hitters are difficult to K. They're a bunch of contact hitters. And yeah, that's a smart guy. That's a guy who knows the opponent he's going in. He studies them. He says, OK, I saw seven from uh, Michael Kopech. That's tough because he's a strikeout pitcher. But you know what? I'm going to get him out a different way. Cruising throughout the game. Opposite field home run versus one of the hottest hitters. Jesus Christ, that Josh Naylor. Uh, just get it. Whatever. Who cares? Enjoy yourself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about Naylor. Don't get too ahead of yourself. Let's focus on G uh, Giolito because, him. you know, <laughs> Oh, I hate him too. I hate Naylor so much. He's but so good. Hey, I mean- You got to give him respect because that's the thing. I was trashing him before, you know, he started being good. I I was trashing him before this whole 2022 thing started off. And now he's doing it. Now I can't, you know, I got to shut my mouth because, I mean, he almost took off Graveman's shin uh, in that ninth Mm -hmm. inning there. Uh, But Lucas Chilito was elite tonight. And the plan that he had tonight absolutely worked versus the Cleveland Guardians. 69% strike rate for Lucas. 20 first strike, uh, first pitch strikes, to 26 batters that is elite right there 27 percent whiff rate for lucas giolito again elite stuff from him on that one he was just fantastic to watch tonight and there were two swings i just want to talk about herb you know yeah. there was there was many swings the josh naylor one was nice but there was one swing i think it was in ramirez's second at bat he throws a change up to ramirez and ramirez throws the bat Whew. towards the cleveland dugout and then the next time rosario ends up getting a hit on this one i'm pretty sure in the seventh inning but rosario truly spins around in the batter's box the the changeup's been working, but uh, the fact that he's got two changeups that they talk about on the broadcast, where one he could throw one up high, uh, using the, the the more of uh, the palm of his hand, and then the other one where he more snaps down and that one goes lower in the zone, um, it's just it's unfair. And I mean, guys who have seen him multiple times, Jose Ramirez, who is a great batter, can still elicit swings like that. I mean, that is just ace stuff. You love to see it from Lucas made hitters look silly i
1: thought that rosario like twisted his ankle on that one he was trying to go for the down so much lucas like oh here's a high change up out of the zone enjoy yourself because he knew he's like come on man i know you're looking dead red i'm not i'm not that guy i'm a great pitcher and so it's good to see and i just looked it up it looks like all the home runs that lucas giolito has given up are also home runs so far so yeah yeah If you can do that, and Rick says, you know, home runs are a product of being in the zone all the time, and that's what you want to be. We're talking the other day about Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech having the confidence to know that you can throw the ball wherever you need to throw the ball. These guys are not going to hit it. Maybe he didn't have his premium, premium stuff. He had pretty good stuff today. And even if he doesn't, you remember that time where he was getting hit hard early in the Angels game? and those two solo home runs, he bears down. I think he gets mad, maybe at himself, maybe at the other opponents, especially last year when Josh Donaldson was blaming him about the sticky stuff. He got pissed and finished the Twins off last, last year. This year, with the Angels hitting those two solo home runs in the first inning, didn't give up another one until I think the sixth inning, gave up three in that game. So he is the guy. He is our ace, and we've been talking all about sees. And Kopech, which one we're looking forward to as our ace going forward. Lucas like, hey, hold hold on, y'all. I'm still here. Stop it. Stop it. It's me. It's two seven.
0: And, and, and you know, I I love to see it. I mean, I, I've talked about it. I mean, we talked about it earlier, like the, the 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 game that turned him from Lucas Giolito, worst pitcher of baseball in 2018, was against this Cleveland team uh, back in May of 2019, where he had a very similar performance, seven innings, eight Ks, no earned runs allowed. And I do want to talk a little bit about the stuff just a little bit more. Let's look at his pitch mix, uh, because, you know, you see Dave uh, saying Hawk would gush over that changeup. Uh, you know, Ryan saying Lucas' change was sick tonight. He was making uh, his sw- hitters swing out of their shoes. Uh, he was fantastic with that fa- uh, fastball and changeup. Uh, just elite stuff right there. Seven whiffs on his changeup, 64% whiff rate on yeah. his changeup. He got 11 swings, seven, at, uh, seven of them just completely missed uh, the, the, the the ball completely. That was great to see. And I also saw uh, something too. I think it was uh, blank name said that's actually pretty crazy that G. had such a high whiff rate and such few strikeouts the thing is you know cleveland's a fantastic team they have a very very low k rate one of the lowest in the major leagues i think the one thing that he needs to get over a lineup like that is that slider and curveball working at its best we saw josh naylor tag a slider for a home run, and the curveball wasn't perfect. I would love to see him start lowering, or uh, you know, making sure that 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 curveball is a little bit lower in the zone. I think he threw one that was actually truly below the belt. A lot of them are left high. He needs to start snapping down on that curveball. That curveball is really, you know, it's a show pitch at, at this point because you go back to the the the, the graphic. Only one called strike, no uh, whiff at all at, at, at that pitch. It's just not a pitch that is going to be conductive to getting out. It really hasn't been this year. So I don't love that, but you see 30% called strike whiff rate on a slider, 41% on his changeup, 43% on his fastball. All of that is elite stuff. So he's got three pitches right there. That's enough to have, you know, an ace performance like he did tonight.
1: And with the curveball, like you just said, I think maybe just a show pitch or he wants to, you know, fastballs elevated, changeups sometimes are elevated and the curveball is like, you know, hey, I got to show it to you. I have to show it to you just so you're off of my other pitches, you know. Um, I'm not too worried, and I know you you want better. You want like like Cy Young, the best in the game type of stuff from uh, Rick uh, Cy, uh, Cy Gialito. Lucas Giolito. I keep getting Rick's name uh, here, right here. He said this year's curveball is last year's slider, which he shelved. If I think uh, famously, he shelved his changeup and then went to his slider. So he's kind of working on his curveball. So if that's what you're saying, Rick, I think right here, stay right here. If he gives me this all year long, I'm happy for it. Yeah, It wasn't like Cleveland was just missing cookies. They were flummoxed. They didn't know what Lucas does as Jose Ramirez is to the White Sox. And lately Josh Naylor is to the White Sox. Lucas Giolito is that to the Guardians. But he's an actual great player, not like Josh Naylor, who just runs into a couple last night and then tonight.
0: Yeah. And uh, I lost my train of thought here. Uh, but with. Um, you got to help me out. Uh, you threw me off for a second. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, you're all good. I don't know. I, I feel I feel very dumb right now. I, I like my, my train of thought. Uh, let me look at my notes. Herb, let me let me scramble and look at my notes. Um, Don't even trip, man.
1: I think the White (laughs) Sox needed that victory for themselves. It got dicey. It got real dicey in the ninth inning. I know we're going to talk more about the eighth inning where I was expecting Kendall Graveman, and a lot of the White Sox fans were like, where's Kendall Graveman? Now, he said before the game he's available. So they put Jose Ruiz out there, didn't get the job done fully, got two outs. Then Bennett Sousa gets the out of Jose Ramirez in the eighth. And so when Kendall Graven comes out for the ninth, you realize that Liam wasn't available. Kendall closed it out, got a little hairy. It got really, really hairy in that ninth inning. And Richie Little answers our question. Yes, his curveball will be elite, just needs time. He didn't throw it at all in two years ago. He'll up the percentage over the time. So that's what he's working on. I mean, that's a, that's a guy who's working in a pitch in a game
0: and he's trying to perfect it. Like that is a that takes balls to do. Well, and and it makes sense because the more you look at it on Oo counts, he used the curveball four times, and that's something that I think that he he should use if he's trying to gain confidence in that pitch. Oo is something that you know. That's that's where he wants to use that curveball. Most guys are going to be looking fastball in that count. You throw a curveball most of the time, it's a free strike. Uh, there's this uh, pitcher. This is writer uh, Nick Pollock who writes pitcherlist.com, uh, and he talks about you know breaking balls on oo counts are easily uh, you know just a strike for for most pitchers. So I wonder if Lucas is just working that in as well because four of his seven pitches uh, that when he used the curveball came on an oo count. So we'll see if it does become an elite pitch if he's able to. De- four pitches like that, uh, I mean, you're, you're truly looking at Cy Young stuff, but I mean, even here, the three pitches that he has is, is Cy Young level. Last year, the highest percentage he reached with this curveball was 4% thrown uh, by a month, uh, June, July, August, all topped out last year at 4%. He was at 8% this year. So he's still upping the percentage. We'll see how that you know changes throughout May, June, and August. It, it's something to follow with Giolito, but uh, any final thoughts with Giolito? I think that was all I had on his great start tonight.
1: I just look forward to his next start. I mean, it's going to be probably Sunday night or Sunday afternoon versus the Yankees, an elite team, a team that can hit a lot. Let's see what he can do versus them. I don't know if he sees this as a measuring stick or just another game in May. I don't know his mindset, but I'm looking forward to every time he goes out to the pitch. And as I said, I'm not worried about him. I'm never worried about Lucas Giolito. He is... The best pitcher the White Sox have. And that's a lot to say because this team is loaded with arms.
0: Yeah, this team is loaded with arms, and one of them is still on the IL, and that guy finished third in Cy Young voting. So I think we always forget to mention the injuries just because you still have Aloy Jimenez injured. You still have Andrew Vaughn injured. You still have Lance Lynn injured. I mean, there are still reinforcements on the way for the White Sox, and that is one of the most in- intriguing storylines about this team heading into the next couple of months. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000 that's not it, you can make a $50 or more first-time deposit. you receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com. And we will help you out. Herb on points bet today. I went four or five in my picks up to ninety-five dollars in my bank. Uh, we what? talk about our bets on CHGO bets daily. I'm finally winning money. And if you right? guys don't know, like you're like
1: $95, nothing it feels good. Sean is a two to three dollar guy, so 95 is like a million dollars. He's winning a lot of bets.
0: Right. And and, and I, I won Cal Quantrill under four and a half strikeouts. The White Sox now have 29 games and only five starters. Uh, their opposing starters have gone over uh, five strikeouts. So it's it's a prop that you want to take. Online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the Points Bet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem, call one 800 522 zero zero when the socks play tomorrow when we're previewing that pregame make sure you have the points bet app because we'll be giving you out picks to help you win money. And also, if you want to start your day with a competitive edge, Strava CBD Coffee is a game changer and has helped thousands of people to help improve their overall wellness and quality of life. Strava delivers delicious, fresh-roasted specialty coffee infused with organic, broad-spectrum CBD. CBD from hemp doesn't make you high or hungry, but it offers real benefits that can help you. It can help you feel alert and focused without the jitters. It can help you live your day more balanced with less anxiety and fewer aches and pains. Plus, reducing CBD in your daily routine can help you... You enjoy a more restful sleep, so you wake up feeling your best. My favorite is having the decaffeinated Strava CBD coffee before I go to bed. The 20 milligrams of CBD help me get that truly restful sleep. The best part, Strava, is all about quality. Everything is small batch, fish fresh and shipped straight to your door. Strava also offers concentrated full-spectrum CBD tinctures for those looking for a more traditional CBD format with a powerful entourage effects of benefits. CHGO listeners can save 25% off their entire order when you use code CHGO25. That's 25% off your entire order at StravaCraftCoffee.com. When you use code CHGO25 at checkout, discount coupon valid on non-subscription purchases only, one use per customer. And if you already love Strava, you can subscribe and save with the Strava Coffee Club. With Strava, you're in control. You can save on your favorite coffees and have them automatically delivered to your home or office on your preferred schedule. Again, the code is CHGO25 for 25% off your entire order at StravaCraftCoffee.com. Come. All right, and Greg, hurry, no, I'm not going crazy.
1: I'm talking to, and for the people who are listening on the podcast next day, we really appreciate you listening. We're broadcasting live right after the White Sox won against the Cleveland Guardians 4-1, to and so during that read right there that Sean did right there with Strava Coffee, I'm talking to our producer, uh, Stephen Nicholas, behind the glass, or so he's not really behind the glass, he's just behind this uh computer that I'm reading from. We have a couple of super chats and then that's what he was, was informing is to... that we have some super chats. Well, My I guy forgot. Matthew Cortez. See, I Matthew can't Cortese. say that name without saying it that way. And I think right. it's offensive. I, well, I'm I'm sorry Matthew. Matthew Cortez E. Matthew
0: Cortezy.
1: Golami. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Grandma, for $5. Don't... And we had one from Stupid Donkey in the pregame right after we uh, closed out. So, Stupid Donkey, if you're still watching, thank you for your super chat. Really appreciate it. All right. Grandma, Sorry. You
0: don't eat all that Gabagool. It's all filled with nitrates. Gabagool over here. All right. Um... Now you're going way
1: <laughs> too far. Golly. I thought I was being. No. Up. we got Vinny
0: in. We got Vinny in. We did all the super chats. We talked to Lucas Giolito's dad, and now it's talk to, time to talk to our favorite beat writer, the CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber, our guy. How's it going, Vinny?
2: What's up, guys? I love me some gabagoo. Ooh, amazing on the old, on the old <laughs> Italian sub. You don't, don't get better than that.
0: We have a, a super chat from Matthew Cortese. He said that he uh, you, you pronounce his name like Scorsese, and we're, we're seeing if we're being offensive. I, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah,
2: I think you are. Yeah. Super Chat, isn't that, that's the guy who rapped on Fly by Sugar Ray, right? <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to fly,
0: you know? I, and I Vinny, the man. Rick Gilito says hello. He says, Vinny. Hey, Rick, how are you? <laughs> How's his son doing? Did you talk to Lucas Gilito after his seven at inning outing?
2: I did. He's happy that he went seven. Of course, he wanted to go nine. That's how these starting pitchers are doing it these days. But uh, listen, I think uh, this is going to be a running theme throughout my appearance tonight. But uh, starting pitchers are back a little bit. You know, it's been a month of of, uh, getting used to things after the shortened spring training. And I think now they're kind of back to normal. They're kind of back to what you expect. And uh, this White Sox starting rotation uh, is certainly... Uh, delivering in the results department of late, particularly that Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech uh, triumvirate. So uh, they, this is this is kind of more like it uh, when it comes to the starting pitching for the White Sox here after they kind of uh, had to find their way there in April.
0: I just okay. want to say now. I, I hope your right. ears aren't uh, burning up because Lucas Giolito was apparently talking about you at dinner the other day, according to Rick Giolito. Uh, this is mainly just Rick interviewing you or just telling us things to tell you. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe you know you could you could mention that you know Lucas's uh, dad's hanging out with us. But uh, with Lucas going seven innings, you see a great performance from uh, Vince Velasquez uh, on Friday for for the Sox. You see a great performance on Saturday from Dylan Cease. Great performance from Dallas Keuchel on Sunday. You mentioned it. The the starting pitch are back. Michael Kopech yesterday, Lucas today. Um, you know, obviously Johnny Cueto is going to be put into this mix, but is it sort of them finding a groove at this point? Is that what you're saying the collective vibe of the starting pitchers is?
2: Yeah, a little bit, but I think more so I'm just talking about, you know, workload. I'm talking about kind of, you know, what, you know, there was it was such a mystery such uh, of what they were going to be able to do in April coming off of just a three-week spring training, and that's why you so, saw so much work by the bullpen right was because these guys weren't able to go seven innings in a game but now they're kind of back to normal they got their legs under them and and this is kind of what you expect from the starting pitching especially a team like the white Sox, where you know you just look to last season and and the starting rotation is what carried them and and you're seeing it again here in this recent stretch. Uh, even in a game last night that ended the way it did in such you know disappointing fashion for so for so many White Sox fans, uh, Michael Kopech was was excellent in that game and it got kind of overshadowed. So uh, even the guy who's on the workload limit is, uh, is is turning in the the six innings that you know you expect from from a starting pitcher. So uh, yeah, they're kind of passing the baton right now and feeding off of each other.
1: Did anybody talk about? I know Lucas watches every tape, and he studies, and he knows his numbers versus the Guardians. It seems like he has supreme confidence every time he goes out to the bump, but he says something about, like, you know, when I see the Cleveland Guardians, you know, it's just feel good because he's given up, what, six earned runs in the last couple years against the Cleveland Guardians where every other White Sox pitcher is like, these guys are the greatest.
2: I mean, hey, I, like, I think you mentioned it there, Herb. He has com- that confidence every time he goes out. And I think uh, there are a lot of these White Sox players that, that definitely feel that way, be they pitchers or hitters or, or you know, fielders sometimes too. I mean, it's it's... It's, it's kind of a hallmark of that clubhouse, and I think that, you know, no matter what team they're facing up there, uh, Lucas is going to have that confidence to go out and mow guys down. And tonight, obviously, with the way Cleveland kind of attacks pitchers, he wasn't racking up the strikeouts, but he was just as effective, um, even though, you know, it did seem, though, we did hear the Lido shuffle bit quite a bit tonight um you know so there was plenty of boz Skags. usually they only do that for like the first two or three strikeouts they kind of uh, you know lose the shtick as lucas's uh, uh, appearances go on but tonight they were right on it like all everyone Lito, oh, oh. so yeah, yeah yeah so boz skaggs was ringing throughout the rate uh pretty i would rather
1: go with name. the uh, the lowdown by boz skaggs but whatever i know why they do it though it's a much better song
0: and I, I think that's may, maybe your new little task here when you're at the G rate and Lucas is pitching. Maybe you give a report card after every K. You say, you know, one out of two times they've played the Lido shuffle. I, I'd be interested in those stats. Um, you need it out, out, and out in the outfield. Get some folks with some signage. It's not
2: the K counter. It's the Boz Skaggs counter.
0: I, I know a couple guys. I know a couple guys who would love to do that bit. So uh, maybe maybe we'll get on it and have the Lido shuffle counter uh, out, in, out in left field. Uh, I want to talk to you about something that happened pregame. You, you sent us some quotes from uh, Tim Anderson talking about the defense and how he's trying to put it behind him. Made a nifty play with Josh Harrison turning a double play uh, in that game and also had a great day at the plate. Uh, what was T.A.'s comments before the game, and how do you think that influenced or maybe showed itself uh, tonight, if it did? Oh,
2: It's funny, you know, we kept we were we were we were pestering him pretty good pregame about about the defense and about the errors and everything. And he was making some comments that, you know, wow, you guys are kind of asking me the same question over and over (laughs) again. And, you know, it didn't seem like he was too thrilled to to be talking about it. Uh, And then the first thing I asked him postgame was, well, you shut us up, didn't you? And he said, yeah, and he said, he said, basically. Yeah. So, um, no, I, and he even, even threw in a little thing, you know, we were asking him, you know, you, you made some great plays, you got some hits, you're, you're running the bases out there. Uh, and he said, yeah, it was a good one. Uh, hope everybody's happy is what he said. So, uh, you know, I think, I think TA likes, uh, likes proven guys wrong, likes proven folks wrong. And, uh, certainly you saw tonight, you know, I, I think, I think everybody saw kind of those quotes from him, and were like, "Oh, that's a, you know interesting." You know, we yeah. don't know if the, you know if that's really explains everything that's going on. It, it shows you how quick that switch can flip and how quick that stuff can become ancient history.
1: And speaking of proving people wrong, Sean and I both said that if anybody deserves to go down before this series, we both thought there was Gavin Sheets over Jake Berger. I understand why they did it because of handedness. Gavin Sheets has more versatility, especially in the outfield. Gavin Sheets, two days in a row, has delivered home runs. What did he get to say or other people say about Gavin Sheets? It seems like after the home run yesterday, just elation, just a, a lift off his shoulders. Today, another gra- another big, huge home run. Did you speak to Gavin or anybody else that spoke about him?
2: Yeah, we did talk to him, and I think it was, you know, I asked the question. These guys always say, you know, it just takes one so often. Uh he got the one yesterday he's got another one tonight and he said yeah it's a little bit contagious he's feeling good i I, you know i asked him if he was energized by what happened yesterday and he said yeah and you know uh he, he thought that he was kind of you know a little off at the plate maybe you know missing some fastballs that he usually that he usually does damage on and He's kind of you know, maybe it only takes one to dial back in and, and, and so yeah he he's he's proven folks are too. Uh that blast tonight was a big one, man that I mean if the if the goose was still, out I was about there, to it say- would be it'd be shooting beer right out of that beat. <laughs>
0: It, it was such a missed opportunity. I, you deserve royalties in in, in perpetuity. You, you, I mean, it really was a missed opportunity uh, from them, and, and so I brilliant. thought of it immediately. It was the saddest honk that I've ever uh, heard uh, let out. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the, the ninth inning I was a little confused seeing Jose Ruiz and then Bennett Souza in the eighth. Then we see it makes a little bit more sense. Kendo Graveman comes out in the ninth inning. So Liam has the day off. Can you talk a little bit about Liam having the day off? And then Graveman, I know you talked a little bit to him uh, before the game about his availability. Obviously, he was available tonight. Okay, guys, I'm serious. I, this is a
2: non-issue. It's a non-issue, and I'm going to explain why. But I am—I am, I am just—I'm—the mind is boggled. Why people were so up in arms? Be it last night about Graveman, and then tonight, Graveman comes in, you get what you want, and then you're mad that Liam Hendricks isn't pitching. It, it, my mind is boggled, but I'm going to tell you what is going on here. We talked to Kendall Graveman at length before the game. And, guys, that shortened spring training that I brought up earlier, talking about the starting pitchers, that is a wrench that has been thrown into the the machine here in 2022. And you have seen Kendall Graveman and that entire White Sox bullpen and probably every bullpen in baseball pitching a lot more than they are used to. Graveman told us earlier today he looked up recently. He was on pace to throw 93 innings. (laughs) (laughs) You know how many he threw last year? 56. So he was on pace to almost double the amount of innings that he was about to throw. And, and I got people tweeting at me, why hasn't he pitched in so long? It had been three games. He just didn't pitch in three straight games. I mean, I understand the whole video game mentality of it's the eighth inning. It's a three-run or less game. The, that one guy who is the setup guy has to come in because this is his situation. Same for the ninth and, and a guy like like Liam Hendricks, who's your, who's your closer, right? It's not how things work in, in real life. It's not how things work during the season. They're not going to be able to pitch every game. Now, a, a, another part of that is that the White Sox have been playing a lot of close games. Right? There's been a lot of there's been a lot of games in which they haven't scored you know, more than four runs, as we've been talking about all season long, but they've won a a good number of those too, And so those pitchers have had to be called into duty. They have to be called into duty when the when the starters can only go five or six innings. You know, they they and the thing too. another thing that that Tony La Russa has brought up multiple times and that Kendall brought up today when we're talking is if you're going to have a World Series winning bullpen, it can't be three guys. I mean, it has to be, uh, it has to, you have to have a team and they're happy that they've been able to see quality results from Foster, Sousa and Ruiz specifically, as well as some other guys. Now, does this mean that in uh, game seven of the World Series, should the White Sox get there, (laughs) it's the ninth inning and, oh, well, you know, Kendall and Liam pitched the last two days. So Bennett Sousa go out there and try to win the World Series for us. No, that's not what it means. But you got to remember, if your, uh, two of your most important arms on your pitching staff are burnt out. Come September, that is not a recipe to make a deep playoff run. And I, I understand everybody. I understand the games count just as much now as they do at the end of the season. But it's not. It's it's not setting yourself up for failure when it matters most, right? I think that that is the that is the idea here. They keep talking about it with Michael Kopech. They're doing it with other players. We've been talking about it with Yasmani Grandal, and it applies to a bullpen that it has has had to work probably more than. They normally would in a normal season through the first month of the year.
1: It was good to see the White Sox capitalize on Guardians errors today. You see the error by Jose Ramirez, immediate home run by Sheets. They talk about their execution there, like making it hurt when they commit errors, as other teams have made it hurt when the White Sox do so.
2: Yeah, that's what you got to do, and I mean, I think people have seen that and been disappointed when the White Sox have have done it. I mean, that's the other team succeeding at what they're trying to do. Listen, if you're if you're if you're not going to score a ton of runs, you got to capitalize when they're giving you a, an opportunity to do so. So I think that you've got uh, you got a situation there and that anywhere that that wasn't even the only dropped pop up in foul territory uh, <laughs> by Cleveland that day. And and listen, last night too, by the way, a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of um, you know. Uh, um, upset people over what the White Sox did in the field. Cleveland didn't look too hot in the field either last night. So uh, the White Sox played great defense tonight. That's what everybody was saying. Tony La Russa walked in here, by the way, unprompted, no question yet, and said, how about that defense? He knew, he knew what we were thinking and asking mm-hmm. about before the game. So he was uh, happy to uh, be able to revel in a good defensive night. Hey, pound uh, your chest, brother.
1: Pound your chest when they do well. That's awesome because we'll – Kill, a, kill him when he uh, does poorly, or the team does poorly. So, your, your guy Rick Giolito, really likes your uh, analysis. Been a tough, been a ton of high stress innings. It's tough on the starters. Vinny is dead on with his analysis. We've been saying that all along. Now we have confirmation. Rick Giolito. you know, Rick Alito actually predicted that Dylan Cease was going to have a breakout year last year because of Ethan Katz and what he was doing with them, also with Carlos Rodon. So, Rick Alito knows a thing or two about pitching. So, listen to him.
0: Follow and him hey, on Twitter. Hey, he's he's trying to keep his internet profile low. Apparently, his son gets mad at him for having. A We're not going to. I'm not going to talk to uh, Lucas. That's all I'm letting them know is your your secret safe with us. This is a safe space for Rick Gialito. No Come one's watching. Whenever you want. Uh, that's not true. We got eighty-six people watching, and there is a there's a bump. We got the Vinny bump. We were at like sixty people, then Vinny comes in, and we're up to eighty-six. So I'm just saying there's a Vinny bump. All right, Vinny. Um, I do have a couple more things I want to talk to you about. Uh, I'd love to get more into the socio-political dynamic of you know uh, bullpen usage and the fact that you need to have <laughs> Craveman in the ni- the eighth and Hendricks in the ninth. Um, I, I, do like your point, you know, it, it seems very similar to my Andrew Vaughn thing with Herb. Uh, you know, there has to be some day <laughs> offs for these players at some point. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit though about, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, any low uh, update on Ray Lowe? Uh, we saw him leave the game yesterday. Uh, no update from the way you're shaking your head. Yeah, no, he was asked
2: about, uh, Tony LaRusso was asked about Lopez in the pregame and, and there wasn't an update yet. So we'll, you know, we'll keep asking, um. So, But obviously, yeah, he's, he's been a, uh, an integral part of that bullpen, so uh, the White Sox would uh, be worse off if they didn't have him available to them. So uh, we'll see what happens there. I have and no more think-
1: White Sox questions, but I just want to see what your shirt says, Vinny.
2: I can't see it right now. Oh, boy, this is going to be tough in this uh, try screen here. But uh, it's uh, Black Pumas, which is a go. band uh, that I enjoy. So mm-hmm. there you are. That's what that is. They're from Texas, as you can tell.
1: So the people they're quite like good. People like your wardrobe, and they want to know. They want to be cool like you.
2: Oh well, wow. Well.
1: Not like yeah, I just wear uh, regular ass shirts.
2: Let's let's get it in writing that I'm being called cool because that's a that's a few and far between, but we'll oh, take it. Oh come on. You're you're cool, <laughs> Vinny. All right.
0: Um since since Herb's done with White Sox questions, I guess I'll make this my final one. Uh I want to go to the run expectancy here. I just want to talk a little bit baseball here with you guys. This is less about uh, you know, I guess we're using the White Sox as an example here, but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. We we did see Leury Garcia, it wasn't Leury Garcia, it was Josh Harrison, laid down a bunt in the seventh inning uh, with a runner on first base and no outs. So you could see there, runner on first base, no outs, you're expected to get .83 runs. And then when you have a runner on second base with one out, you're expected to get .6 runs. So right there, you see that you get more runs when you have a runner on first with no outs than you have uh, with a runner on second with one out. Also, Harrison just smoked a double off of Quantrill. So I wonder about you guys, just to understand your baseball sensibilities here. Did you like the move to have Harrison bunt in the seventh, or would you have had him swing away there? You had to find something
2: to gripe about, even on a night where everything <laughs> goes right. You had Sean, to find something.
0: always negative. To gripe Sean. About.
2: My goodness. Uh, you know, I'm just wondering. It, it's listen. It's it's it, it is an it is a uh, an opinion that is influenced entirely by the results that's what i have to say about it if the but if you laid on a bunt and the bunt works and you score a run then good that was the right move if you <laughs> if you lay down a bunt and nobody comes across the plate and you wasted a chance to drive in with a hit then you shouldn't have done it you know that what i mean a... it's entirely it's entirely influenced by the results i get it i get the percentages i know what everybody's looking at uh I, in the american <laughs> league you probably wouldn't expect to see so much bunting right i mean in the old time National League, where offense was maybe you know not quite as the much the focus when the when the pitcher was hitting that kind of thing, you might see it a little bit more. Not a thing anymore. So uh, we'll see if it if it goes down. But uh, come on, if you bunt and it works, then it worked. Good job.
0: All right. Well, I, I, I it, like that answer. What, what was your? Go and ahead, it her. did work. I
1: mean, I'm not a sacrifice bunt guy. I'm on Sean's thing. But your answer was perfect. That that works for me, Vinny. That's the best explain thing about a sacrifice, blunt. if it works, it's great. If it doesn't, it's terrible. Perfect.
0: Well, and, and Vinny, you know, he's, he's had a long day at the park and I, you know, I, I understand he doesn't want to have any gripes, especially after last night. I mean, we so we'll come back have tomorrow? him go on his merry way and he has to come back tomorrow. So we will talk to him after tomorrow's guardians oh. and white Sox game, the rubber match between the two uh, go follow Vinny Duber on Twitter at Vinny Duber. And it's a much earlier night. For you leaving the ballpark than last night. So, you know, it would, you ha- it would have to be. It would have to be. <laughs> Enjoy your night. Thank you, Vinny, for joining us. See you guys. Ricky Lee is going go to
1: watch the game now.
0: Yeah, well, you th- th- for joining it's, us, sir. I don't think it's a coincidence that I bring that up and then he dips immediately, you know? Uh, Vinny, Vinny seemed to roll his eyes that I'm bringing up bunting here uh, as we're kicking him off. Uh, It wasn't a gripe. We'll get to it. Uh, The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register. Register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So, what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem call 1 800 522 4700. And we do want to mention CHGO. We're giving you the podcasts and live shows, the pre games and post game shows all for free here on our YouTube platform, on all of our podcasting platforms that you're listening to or watching to us right now on. But if you want to get the full CHGO experience, become a member at allchgo.com. We have premium written content there for uh, our members written by guys like Vinny Duber, the guy who was just on. If you want to read his game recap, he talked to TA before the game. He's going to update you on Johnny Cueto. He's going to update you on all the roster moves. Go check out allchgo.com. When you become a member, you get a free shirt when you sign up. We have dope merch for all of our teams. socks, Bulls, Hawks, Bears, Cubs, Sky, Red, Stars, Fire. Am I missing any of Boom, them? Boom, you got them all, I think. White Sox, probably. I probably missed the one team that I do a show for. And we also have the members-only Discord, the CHGO Lounge. If you want to talk to CHGO personalities like Herb, me, Vinny, we are in the Discord, hanging out, and you can ask us our White Sox questions or any White Sox questions on your mind. So go become a member at allchgo.com. Okay, Herb, Vinny's gone. We can now uh, be mad about bunts. So what'd you think about the seventh inning and Harrison laying down a bunt there?
1: Absolutely terrible. I always hate sacrifice bunts unless you're doing it to score a run. So a suicide squeeze, a safety squeeze, cool. You're scoring a run. Or if that's the decisive run. I do not like giving up outs. You only have 27 of them. Let's try to maximize multiple reasons why this one in particular was bad. Adam Engle is fast. He -hmm. can steal the base by himself. Right. You just had Josh Harrison almost take out Mr. Quantrill and hit a double the time before. So he's seen him well. Can we allow him to maybe get a hit there? Turn the lineup over and get T.A. up there. If he hits into a ground ball double play, that's sometimes what the luck is. But you just showed us the stats. You were giving yourself less of a chance of scoring more runs by giving that other team an out. I'm sure Cal Contra was like, please, thank you, Jesus. This man took me to the (laughs) bridge almost. Holy shit. Thank you for Bunny and giving me that free ass out. And then eventually, as Vinny said, it worked out because on 0-2, you have... Adam Engel stealing, and Timmy with the inside-out swing that goes fair gets a double there, so the run scores. The bunt looks like a success. And Greg Miller, I'm drinking straight water. It is hot as hell up in here, so I have to drink water. <laughs> 84 and if I take degrees. This, if I take this hat off, you can see a little of that sweat. Oh yeah, we see it. I need to be drinking water to keep me hydrated and, you know, not die. 84 not die. degrees in the studio right now. 84 degrees. 84. 84 our you guys, air condition broke today of all days that shit could have broke like when it was 30 in these studios that would been great but no roof, it broke today
0: yeah. uh, leaky roof and broken ac so it's a, it's been a fun time so far at the chgo offices i do want to go back to a comment and this is going to be the last topic on uh bunting i feel like i just brought up the numbers and actually didn't even give my opinion uh but pilskin said uh bunts put more pressure on the defense I'm just gonna push back on that a little bit. Ahmed Rosario dropped a fly ball in left field yesterday, and he just had a double smoked over his head by Josh Harrison. I don't see a reason why you just paid Josh Harrison five and a half million dollars to bunt after he just hit a double. That makes no sense to me. I, I, not even you know giving up the out makes no sense. But the matchup. I mean, you have a favorable matchup against a guy who is losing velocity and losing his ability to spot on the outside. I hate the decision. And uh, Stephen, can we bring up back the the run expectancy thing? There, uh, there was one more uh, thing that I want to build off of from Jack saying bunching the runner on second to third much more efficient than uh, first to second, uh, which I think is true. If you go second to third uh, with one uh, zero outs, it's .0, 0 runs, uh, and then if you go to third base with one out, it's 0. .8 runs. So you know, it's it's equivalent to have a runner on third uh, with one out as it is to have a runner on first with no outs. So I mean, th- th- that that right there. <laughs> (laughs) a sack fly drives in a runner uh, with one out on third base and a guy who is stranded on first base with no outs has the same expectancy to score. So, I mean, I I just don't understand the move from from a baseball perspective. And that's something that I push back on Tony. Again, it worked because you got the run from TA great hitting from TA. That was fantastic to see. Um, And they did figure out Quantrill 10 hits allowed uh, today. Uh, Let's talk about Quantrill's day and get into the White Sox hitting the one that was, you know, Amazing. Off the bat was Kevin Sheets. I don't know if you want to talk about that right away, but uh, Sheets took a cutter out to where the goose used to be. A great mammoth shot, and that's a second in two games.
1: Yeah, and I said before the game, the White Sox should score four earned versus Cal Control, and they did it. They He was in the game still into the seventh and doing well enough to be in there, but that's not an elite pitcher. That's a good pitcher that's in a starting rotation that can beat you. And he came in with a sub-1 ERA versus the White Sox in various roles as a reliever and as a starter or opener, as mostly the case was for the uh, Cleveland Guardians. It was the Indians last year. So, yeah, I am not afraid when you see Kyle Quantrill and you see those good numbers. You saw the White Sox a little bit more patient today. The first inning notwithstanding, they got his uh, pitch count up a little bit, and they didn't see uh, that guy who showed up last year or the year before in Cleveland. This guy, they know that they can hit him when all the conditions are right. And if he's leaving balls in the middle middle, Gavin Sheets has got his stroke right now. So I, it's a, it's the right move that they kept him up here because it seems like that lefty power bat will come in handy later on this year.
0: So, Steven, let's uh, go to Cal Quantrill. The ball's uh, put in play when there should be three balls uh, on that graphic. And you mentioned him leaving it middle-middle. The one that is darker red, that cutter right there, is the one that Gavin Sheets hit, hit, which is exactly middle-middle. That is the exact zone. It's right over the middle of the plate right at the belt. He took that and smoked it. Uh, The one that is inside out of the zone is the one that TA inside outed uh, to drive in Adam Angle in the situation that we're talking about with the sacrifice bunt in the seventh inning driving him home in from second base so it was a nice pit, hit, hit piece of hitting from ta and then the other one was the run he uh drove in again middle middle uh he hits it uh into center field right up the middle shoots it up the gap it was great hitting right there and let's go to cal Quantrill to right-handed pitchers this is where he was throwing mainly and you mentioned that he is middle middle a lot you see a lot middle middle here against right handers and it's mainly because it's cutter forcing fastball and sinker that's all he threw to right right-handed pitchers and basically his idea was to miss the the barrel of white socks hitters to keep the velocity the same but make sure that he's moving in out and we call this an east to west pitcher because he's pitching in and out to, to hitters not up and down uh not lot, high and low to pitchers and this is where the socks have actually had their their most struggles with uh, i go back to daniel lynch this is how daniel lynch pitch against the White Sox where he had seven strikeouts. I'm very, very glad to see that they got 10 hits off Cal Quantrill and they had the success that they did against him because with this map right here, they shouldn't ha- have had some success. But And if, if he had a, another breaking ball to throw off some of these hitters, like a slider, then Cal Quantrill could have eaten against the, the White Sox. But they did damage against Cal Quantrill. They should have done damage. This is good to see them scoring four runs against a guy that, you know, we expected them to do well against.
1: It's the antithesis of what we are talking about with Lucas Giolito. He has confidence in his pitches and he has pitches to, to strike you out. Cal really doesn't have that. The, the cutter is, is probably the pitch that can do it or the sinker. But no one was no one was looking for Cal Quantra to strike you out. Ten hits was, <laughs> tells you exactly what was going on. He probably wasn't confident that he can get these guys out with his stuff. So he's like, I got to let them hit it, and they did hit it to the tune of 10 hits. That's good to see from the White Sox, uh, a complete effort where most guys got on base via the hit, except for Abreu, and I see it's Pollock, too. So, everybody else was in the hit column. So, it's good to see these guys doing damage, especially Timmy continuing his torrid, torrid start to the season. Nice.
0: Yeah, let's talk about T.A. here. So he had uh, a couple hits. Nice to see him have three hits today. I think that is his fifth already this year. So five three-hit games for T.A. And we talked about it a little bit with Vinny, but it was a beautiful double play from T.A. and uh, Josh Harrison. And I tweeted out, finally, the White Sox do cool shit. Uh, It was very, very, very nifty, the double play that T.A. and Josh Harrison turned. I don't know what you thought about it when it happened. Very heads up. I did not, I knew a guy was at second. I was like,
1: "What? oh, oh, okay, great play. And Josh Harrison with the wherewithal to know I got to tag him quickly and get this ball out to first base because we runners coming down still. And he's been nothing but spectacular at the defensive end. Bat leaves a little bit to be desired, but his glove plays. As we talk about Timmy with his nine airs. Josh Harrison is the antithesis of that because he's been nothing but spectacular with the glove. But Timmy starting that off, having the wherewithal to see the runner was a little too far off the bag, getting Josh Harrison the ball quickly, and then Josh Harrison delivering a strike to Jose Abreu.
0: Yeah, and what I also like to see, too, was some stolen bases. We saw T.A. steal a base and then advanced on an air. We also saw Luis Robert steal a base. So let's quickly update Luis Robert's 40-40. I guess it's 30-30 watch. Uh, he is now up to six stolen bases on the year, four home runs. You said 30-30 at the start of the year. You also said 40-40, but let's go for the first uh, benchmark there first for 30-30. Uh, how are you feeling about Luis Robert? Uh, on May 10th, going for that 30-30 with four home runs and six stolen bases so far.
1: Perfect. He's right there. I know the numbers probably won't reflect into a full season, but the weather's getting better, as everybody says. Balls will be carrying out for Luis Robert. His home run stroke is not even there yet. He hasn't even played his favorite team yet. I mean, did he he play versus the the Royals, or was he out that whole series? I think he might have been out, but that's his favorite team to play against. He murders Kansas City. When he goes down there later this month, he'll murder them again. So, yeah, let's see. I'm looking at the game log right now. He hasn't even so. played Kansas yeah. City yet. So, yeah, I'm a very excited to him to get at least 10 against some people. And that'll be a third of where I need to be. And he also, I think, crushes Minnesota. So, Minnesota is in it's trouble Minnesota, when my man comes back to his full strength. So, yeah, 30-30 is going to be easy, breezy. Beautiful cover girl.
0: (laughs) We will see. Uh, I I don't know about that. And uh, the the other play too, uh, there was a, yeah. Greg Miller says, are we good with the base running blunder? I would say that for the most part, the Sox have been good at base running. Uh, Their steel success has been high. And I understand people are going to bring up the fact that Joe McEwing has a lot of people thrown out at home. This is just a very low run scoring environment and they're being aggressive to try to score runs. I don't hate it. The base running fundamentals are fine. They're being aggressive with sends, but they can fix that. The actual base running, the technique... Is fine. I am now thinking about it, except for when they're going into first base and lunging. But we haven't seen that shit since Minnesota. I think Greg so Miller's
1: referring that. to the uh, the Anderson base running blunder yeah. at second base. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, but, yeah and, and what I was saying, sorry, uh, well, I could explain that a little bit. Thank you, Steven. Uh, so Moncada hits a ground ball uh, to, I think it was the second baseman. Everyone's shifted over. So Ramirez, who is shifted basically playing shortstop. Uh, The shortstop is basically in in center field, short center field, and the second baseman is well over. Uh, The ball was hit towards Ramirez in between Ramirez and uh, that that second baseman. Ramirez goes to cover the bag. He drops the ball. T.A. sees it gets away from him. T.A. starts running towards third base. Uh, Ramirez catches up to him, tries to tag him, drops the ball again. T.A. thinks he's tagged out, doesn't realize Ramirez drops the ball. T.A. gives up on it. He's tagged out. Moncada stays at first so that was a base running blunder but my point is I think that is a mistake that needs to be cleaned up when but when the guy goes you know three for four drives in two runs has a stolen base and had that nifty double play I guess I was saying it's all right he was mostly a difference maker tonight for the Sox so I'm not going to bash TA too much for that one
1: and I I didn't see that live but I did see it afterwards I don't mind mistakes of aggression and I don't mind him thinking he was tagged because he was. And then giving up as, you know, because he thought he was tagged. He probably felt the ball in the glove or just at least, hey, glove tags me, I'm out.
0: Yeah, I would would like him to to be... To I'm give not up too- less quickly. Like I mean, that's the thing yeah. is I, he get, he felt the tag and then immediately gave up. Uh, I mean, I don't I, I didn't see if him he had eye contact with Naren uh, or not Naren uh, McEwing. Um, I I saw that he was obviously running towards McEwing, uh, but it didn't even look like McEwing was giving him any signals. So uh, I would like TA to stick with that play a little bit more, just keep running until the ump gives you a signal. But uh, oh well, I mean they still won the game. I'm not gonna bash it too much, and like you said, it's 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 in this name of aggression, so I don't mind it.
1: And I'm fine with that. Yeah, try to try to get runs. Try to steal runs. And we and you were talking about stolen bases. As I said before, Adam Engle was stealing there when T.A. had the 0-2 count. Quantrill throws that ball inside on his hands, and he insides it, outs it to right field right over the first baseman. I kind of like that Tony is putting the onus on the guys on the bases to get the job done. I wish he would have did it more with the sack bunt. Instead of sack bunting there, go with Adam Engel. Stealing, straight stealing that bag. They call him the man of steal for a reason. That's his That's his Twitter handle. Let him steal the bag. Let's do it. Come on. So I like the aggression on the bags. While everybody else is zigging, let's zag. Home runs are in vogue. Nowadays, let's be that Cardinals of the 80s team.
0: The well, William I, Geese. I, I, Vince I love- Coleman's. I love home runs. I would love to see more home runs. The thing that I love is just the aggressiveness and it paying off. The White Sox have now stolen. They stole two bags tonight. So that means that they are now up to 17 stolen bags uh, on the year. But they are 17 of 18 on stealing bags. I mean, that's just incredibly efficient right there. And that's that's the part that I love. 94 percentile when you're stealing a bag 94 percent uh I think the MLB average is being thrown out like 75 percent of the time or uh you know a successful steal 75 percent of the time so the fact that they're that much better than teams is is a true difference maker and that's great to see it's just the other small ball stuff like I don't need to see bunts there I love the steal the 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 stolen bases though especially with how many balls are in play let's keep doing that because you know we've seen so many infield singles or infield dribblers turn into runs and be you know game-winning runs for the Sox
1: and also, with stealing being down, catchers are not in the rhythm of throwing guys out at second. So let's test them. Let's see if they can throw us out. Let's see if the the, the catchers are up to the challenge. And uh, Pilskin says 94% chance Reese throws out the opposition. That's a guy who's used to throwing out people. He doesn't give a damn. On his feet, on his knees, he's throwing you out. If this pitcher gives him a chance to throw a guy out, Reese has got the job done. So, yeah, I'm fi- I'm a fan, especially with Luis, especially with Adam Engel. Timmy a little lesser because I need him to be more focused on good base running, but I don't want him to be hurt on the bases, though. So, Timmy's not as fast as those two guys. He's got speed, but I think Luis and uh, uh, Engel get the green light 100% of the time. Timmy can choose, pick and choose when he wants to steal. But for the most part, you have people at second, third, fourth position in the batting order who are there to drive
0: you in. Absolutely. And tomorrow, we will have the rubber match between the Sox and Guardians. 12-30 pregame with me and Herb. 110 first pitch. And then we will have the postgame show after. Vince Velasquez versus Aaron Savale. Do you know Eli Stein, who's in Israel?
1: Predicts that tomorrow the White Sox will score 11 runs and zero uh, I, for the Guardians I, 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 and the Sox will win. Do you know why he knows that? Because it's tomorrow already. Exactly. Uh, He's already got the uh, almanac. And he already yeah, exactly. knows. He's already seen the game. He How's has tomorrow Chicago,
0: go? He has what that I, Chicago, uh, he has that all CHGO membership. Vinny's already published his, uh, his game article.
1: What am I going to have for dinner tomorrow, Eli? Please put that in there. Is
0: it good? I mean, it's not that, it's not that late in uh, Israel.
1: What am I having breakfast tomorrow?
0: Yeah, make make Herb's mind up for him. Uh Paul Smith also saying any update on Lynn. Rick Giulito or not Rick Giulito? Rick Hahn. Uh different Rick. Rick Hahn mentioned that yesterday that it looks like early June for uh for Lin's, Lance Lance Lynn's uh, return. So that's your update on Lance Lynn. But we got Savale versus Vince Velasquez. How are you feeling about that matchup, Herb?
1: Aaron Savale gives the White Sox trouble. Anecdotally, I think he gives us trouble more than what Quantrill is, even though his ERA coming into today was sub one. So Savale to me is more uh, a scary pitcher than what Quantrill is. And it might be totally different. I just feel like when I Aaron Savale goes to the bump, it's going to be troubles for the White Sox. I'll look it up and we'll have the research done for tomorrow's pregame at 1230 here on CHGO. But I'm not like... As thrilled as I was with Plesak and Quantra going to the bump, we need to get this series victory. Vince Velasquez has pitched very well the last couple starts he's had, so I'm confident in him, not Lucas G. sees He's confident, but I'm confident as a fifth starter goes, just keep us in the game. Five innings,
0: four on runs or less. That's all I ask. And it's funny you mentioned Savale. Savale has had seven games against the White Sox and has a, has had a decision in every single one. He's four and three against the Sox, but with a 5.14 ERA, 35 4-1-4. innings pitched, 20 earned runs allowed, but 35 strikeouts. So it's been pretty much hit or miss with Savale. He's either really good against the Sox or really bad. Uh, last year, I think he had two starts against the Sox, one in Cleveland, one at the G Rate. He went six innings it, at the G Rate. Five hits allowed, one earned run, two walks, four Ks. And then at progressive, this was later in September, one and two thirds, seven hits allowed, seven earned runs, four Let's home do that. runs allowed. So, I mean, the last time they saw him, they saw him very, very well.
1: Let's do that. That sounds much better. Four and three with a five ERA. I'll take that. And if the White Sox feel confident against him, that's even better for them because I need this series victory. We've only beaten the... The goddamn Detroit Tigers in this AL Central. Like, we should be dominating these people. And then we should show Cleveland, like, enjoy your win. We should have a sweep. Enjoy that one win, brother. But then go back to Cleveland because you're the only people going there
0: because no one wants a
1: vacation in Cleveland.
0: Nobody wants a uh, vacation in Cleveland. Thank you, Joe Kim Noah, and thank you, Herb Lawrence. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at ecknerwall 23 follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. Follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We will talk to you tomorrow. Again, the pregame is at 1230. We have the Guardians versus the Sox, and first pitch will be at 110, and then we'll also have the postgame after the show to recap Velasquez verse savali but we will see you tomorrow thank you to steven nicholas for your great production and go socks and thank you to the 1979 album tusk and fleetwood mac for all of their members uh, for putting together that great piece of uh piece of music there
1: i think you were so flustered last night you didn't thank them you thank no, them in the pregame, but you didn't thank them in the post game and maybe that won for us i'll do so, my best so maybe i'll do, I'll do my best to remember stop thanking that terrible album Guys, okay. All right. Reed Detmers two outs away from a no hitter right now for the Angels. I don't know who Reed really? Detmer is.
0: Reed uh, Detmers was picked after pitcher. Garrett Crochet. Correct. Um, he was picked picked after Garrett Crochet, so that's not good to hear. Surprised he's doing that to a Rays lineup. Uh it's so that's 12 to nothing too. Watch. It's
1: a they've been battering him too. And they, he just sat down for the eighth
0: inning where they scored four more damn runs. Mike Trout had a home run in that game, too, so uh, a lot, lot to watch out for with that Angels team. I'm glad we don't have to see them a ton. All right, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox postgame show. Thank you to Vinny. For, thank you to Herb. Thank you to Steven. Thank you to Fleetwood Mac for their 1979 album, Tusk. Thank you to me for hosting the show. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Sox, baby. Six. Six.